Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I stand here not having arrived, but I stand here on a journey. Amen? I, I, as you, am not perfect, nor do I pretend to be, but I'm covered by the grace of God. And that grace is so sufficient that it handles everything that we cannot handle. His blood covers sin, amen, for that. And when he buries it, it can't be brought back up again. Thank God for that. But his grace helps me from day to day. My dance is because I have grace. My hope is because I had grace. I'm already preaching. My joy is because I had grace. Hey, I've been lifting my hands and singing songs in church all my life. Tomorrow's my 36th Holy Ghost birthday. 36 years of lifting my hands and praising the Lord. But I tell you what, I wouldn't have got here without grace. I wouldn't have been here today without grace. My friend Kevin Morgan standing right here is today because of grace. God bless you, sir. You're a joy to my heart. Amen, amen. You don't know, I, I'm really not licensed to say, but he went through a medical situation not long ago, and I think it's very applicable since we just prayed for prayers that we should do a testimony, but can I just tell him a little bit? It's better coming from his mouth, amen? He had a major heart attack. And when I saw him holding his little grandbaby Lakin on Facebook, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm extending his days of joy. And I just thought, hey, that's awesome. He's got grandbabies. He's outlived family members. He's outlived close family members. And now God is giving him blessings of grandchildren. I just thought that was awesome. But a couple weeks later, he's sitting in a hospital and he falls over on the floor. He'd already gone to the hospital because he didn't feel right. Falls over on the floor and gashes his head and he had a major heart attack. The front artery is supposed to be the what they call the widow maker. I don't know exactly its location, but I can tell you this, if it gets blocked, you're going somewhere other than here. Your body's done. And it was what, 99%, 100% blocked? 100% blocked. This man shouldn't be standing here right now. And we, we heard about it, we started praying, God did miracles. God did something amazing and he's here today. Not only that, because God's a perfect God, he didn't just spare him, he renewed him. He had many things that he had done over his lifespan that should have wore on his body but the doctor said, we don't understand it, but your heart not only looks good, but your lungs look amazing. And there's other things. I just, I'm being careful how much I say because I don't have all permission, but I'm telling you that's a miracle standing right there. And it's only by the grace of God that we can lift up high praise. Hey, my hallelujah belongs to him. His hallelujah belongs to him. 
It's a possession of the most high potentate, Jesus Christ. I got a call from, Je text from Jessica this morning, I believe. Facebook messenger, she said, I had an accident with my grill. I got first degree burns on my face. I said, dear Lord, I'm already praying. And I went to prayer. I think it took about 45 minutes to she texted me back. She said, my face is itching. I'm like, that's because it's healing. It's already healing that fast. That's how God works. I wish I could share all of that man's story. Maybe someday we'll get you to testify about it. It's powerful. But he's here today and not just a testimony of the extension of his life and the joy of grandchildren, but also watching his son minister the word of the Lord this morning. You don't know the power of grace till you watch it displayed in the face of your children. Do you watch the power of God show up in ways you cannot even understand? I'm sorry I'm lingering, but I feel the Holy Ghost. And I think we should just lift our hands one more time and just thank God for his grace that's forever kept us, that's forever renewed us, restored us. Wherever you are and whatever you're walking in right now, there are stories around you of God's power that has renewed and restored and brought people out and he can bring you out in Jesus' precious name. Amen, 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 amen. Don't you feel the Lord here today? Let's go to the word of the Lord. And when they saw him, something changes when you see Jesus. The only response you can have when you truly see Jesus is what they did, and they worshiped him. Didn't just praise him. Praise him is based upon performance. You did something for me. What have you done lately, Jesus, for me? When God does something for you, it's easy to give a praise. It's not what that said. It said when they saw him, they worshiped. Worship is done no matter what you're going through. And when you see God for who he really is in every situation, there's a worship that effervesces out of your spirit and nobody can take worship from you. You may not be able to praise too well because things may not be going the best, but you can always have a worship even in the worst places. Amen. But some doubted. But some doubted. Uh, he's supposed to be dead. I guess you'd doubt too. <laughs> and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Everybody say, he's awesome. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, in the name singular of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching them to do what? Observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. I'm commanding you, go command them and make sure they do it. That's what he's saying. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Let's thank the Lord for that. Jesus, thank you for your word, the hearing of it. We bless your name for being with us.
to the end of our days, to the end of this earth. You will chase us down. You'll pursue us. God, each one of us here is a grace chase, Lord God. Each one of us here is one of the individuals that you left the 99 to go after. Thank God you didn't just keep, Lord Jesus, pushing us away, but you allowed us, Lord God, to be brought back in, Lord Jesus. You overcame our rebel hearts and you sought after us until we sought after you. Thank you, God, for loving us even when we didn't have the capacity to love you, for first loving us, Jesus. And now let us keep you as our first love. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated at the Connect Center. You can sign up for the Father's Day gift. As I start my sermon here today, I just want to say, you can get this lovely hammock for your dad. If he doesn't attend here, that's fine. Just sign up at the contact center, and we're going to give this hammock away on uh, this Life Spring Green hammock away. Yeah. On, um, on Father's Day. We just want to bless somebody with that. You can, give, you can give it to your father even if they don't attend here. They don't have to attend. If you are a father, if you have a father, if you worship the father, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just making sure you're awake. And so I want to start today with this title, The Journey of a Disciple. And when we start this series, I have to tell you that... I have been working through the word revival with the church this year, and we have a meeting today, and I have all kinds of things spinning through my head, plans, goals, aspirations, but whatever we do needs to be guided by the Lord, amen? We can spend a whole lot of cycles and even waste time if we don't have the timing of the Lord. And I really feel like the timing of the Lord is, we broke RE into uh, the first part of the series in the first quarter. We're kind of in that vibe, renewing ourselves, reviving ourselves, restoring ourselves. And then we're going to go into the AL all. It's for everybody. The Holy Spirit poured out, poured out on everybody. And that's what we're planning to do. And in this section of the word revival, I feel the Holy Ghost telling me to lead us toward heavy discipleship and move from prayer and revival into discipling not only others, but more importantly, first ourselves. If you're not discipling yourself, you're doing yourself a great disservice because you will not survive spiritually if you don't have spiritual survival skills and discipleship in your own life. Why is that important? Why do I even care about that? Well, it's important because you not only are blessed by it, but you bless others. You not only are built in faith, but your faith helps others. Amen. You're not only empowered, but you also are able to then share that with others and empower them. The most amazing thing you can do is not go find three people that believe in you. I tell you what, do a task. Here, here's your homework. Seek out three people on Monday and try to get them to believe in you. And then on Friday, go and seek out three people and help them believe in themselves and see which one is more empowering to you. Because when you help people believe in themselves and move toward what God has for their life, it fulfills something in you more than having to gather around people that affirm you and support you and prop you up, but somehow reaching out to other people and, and becoming selfless and reaching for them and saying, you can be all that God wants you to be. You can go where God wants you to go. You can journey with joy. Amen. You can do what God has called you to do. And here is what God has said to you. He loved you. He knows you. He desires you. And he reaches for you and you're in his hand. Amen, somebody. Sometimes guiding people to what they should believe in is the most fulfilling thing. But I want to talk to you for a minute about 
responsibility. And I want to break the word into two things. Responsibility is response-able or response-ability. That's what the word means. And so when we talk about responsibility, I'm here today because I want to make sure I'm on my post as pastor, that I'm preaching, that I'm encouraging, that I'm doing everything I can, regardless of how flowery this sermon is, regardless of how great it's received. I want to make sure that I'm on my post, prayed up, ready to preach the word. Amen. Full of grace, full of truth. That's what I seek for. And the one thing about church that I know that, 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 runs through my head every single time that I get up here is what what are we doing to make disciples? What is our plan of making disciples of Jesus? And, and is our plan working? That is running through my head every single day because I'm able to teach the word of God. So therefore, I must respond. If you are able, if you've been gifted, if you've been given any talents, any type of uh, authority in any area, guess what? Whenever the time comes for it to be used, when it's called for, and when it's needed, you are required to respond with that gift that God's given given you. You don't get to just sit back and rest on your laurels. Amen, somebody. But we need to make sure that we're using what God gave us. The task of the church and every church is that we are to answer these questions every single time we come together. Are we making disciples? Are people being saved? Are they walking toward God? Ultimately, each church, now this is going to be a rough trail for a minute, so give me a second and I'll get to the survival skills. Ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing. It's disciples. Because Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make believers. He didn't say, go and make good, good Sunday school teachers. He didn't say, go and make good bus drivers, although those are great. We need to pick up kids with buses if we had them. Someday we may have those. I don't know. Maybe we'll just someday teleport everybody to Sunday school. You know, like just beam them all in. But somehow we have to be able to say that our church is good at discipling people. It does not matter how good your praise preaching programs or property are. You like that? I put all those P's together. Your praise preaching programs or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerists, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good, said Neil Cole. He literally said that the good that you're seeking for in church is whether you have disciples sitting in the pew. And so that's a hard trail to take, amen? All of us have to examine ourselves and say, am I being a true disciple? And what does it mean to walk after Jesus and to be a true disciple? The truth of the matter is, is a believer we hear about a lot in Scripture. A believer is someone in Scripture who has been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and has repented. That's walking backwards through the salvation experience. I believe that a believer is a person full of faith and truth. That is true, but sometimes we stop there and we believe that God can do great things and we get saved and then we put our one-way ticket to heaven in our front pocket and we sit down and that is not what is asked of the church. The Bible says we are to be disciples. A disciple is someone who is fully committed to obeying Jesus in every part of his life. Did you understand what I mean by that? I mean this, Jesus is not a part of your life. Jesus is your life if you're a disciple. And so we have to understand that if Jesus is our life and we are to live and survive in him, then we need some basic survival skills. And so I brought my backpack today. 
I'm going to be using this on July 11th in the Bighorn Mountains of Montana. Woohoo! Any man up here? Oh, wow, you guys are so quiet today. You're not going? So I, bought, I brought some things. Can I do this? Can I sit here? Is this okay? All right. I brought some things we need for survival in the wild world, in the cold, dark streets of America. We are dealing with days that we have never seen before. It's harsh. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not an unlearned man. I realize the days of Nelson Mandela, and I realize all the different things in Africa and apartheid and all those different things and the, the stuff that people went through in the early days of America. And, and there there's all kinds of things that that you can learn in history, but I want you to know that even if you know your history so you don't repeat it, that doesn't mean that others won't. And we're dealing with the flex and the, the, the design of, of, of agendas in our world that are now becoming generational agendas. They're moving into second and third generation agendas, and they don't even know what they're fighting for, but they're fighting. They don't even know what they're protesting for, but they're protesting. And this is not a political sermon, but I want you to know that we need to know what we believe, and we need to know how to survive in a world that's harsh and unkind to Christians. You need to know that world's out there. You may not experience it. You may not see it every single day, but it is there. Just received a letter on my desk yesterday asking me to join a coalition in Milwaukee that's standing against some rulings that are coming down that will affect us in some very real ways. And I don't want to go into that today because I want to focus on what I'm trying to teach on. But if you want to ask me about it, you can. But sometimes we forget that we're carrying something through life. Amen. All of us are carrying a backpack full of things that we've acquired over our life. And as we've lived life, these things build up. It may be things like unforgiveness if we don't forgive. It may be things like bitterness, but they're all weights. The Bible says that easily beset us. And so scripture tells us to set aside every weight that easily besets you. It didn't say it was a sin, but it says it's a weight. How many have ever felt like you're living for God, doing everything you know to do, but you feel weighted and burdened? Have you ever been there? Feel like you're walking through a dry land and you've got a weight on you that you don't understand. Maybe, just maybe today I can help you with that and we can unload some of your burdens and unpack some of the backpacks that you're carrying in Jesus' name. Is that all right? Yes. One of the things I noticed that we pick up is rocks of offense. Have you ever had an offense come to your life? Not too long ago, someone asked my wife, did we offend, Pastor? And you know what? I noticed the situation when it happened, but I don't carry too much extra weight in the offense department. I get over things really quick because I just don't have the time. I don't know if you, if you have a propensity to carry offenses for a long time. If that is your, your walk with God, if that is the way that you do I didn't label this rock because I didn't want it to just be offenses. Maybe you don't deal with offenses very much. Maybe you're like a duck, bead and roll off, you know? Maybe that's you. You're an easygoing personality. But there may be a rock of shame in your backpack. Maybe something you did in high school or college. Or maybe there's something that you carried that you wish nobody knew about. No man's an island. We all have things that we've gone through and done and wish we wouldn't have done. I'm a man of God. Yes, I walk with the Lord. But guess what? That's not a title that I throw out very often because I need the grace of God like everybody else. And some people think that whenever I'm at the altar, I'm just praying for the church. But sometimes I'm praying for me. Sometimes I'm praying for myself. I'm not praying for you some days. I'm praying for myself because I need it. 
And then there's other rocks of, uh, that are very difficult, like family troubles or maybe the loss of someone you love where you thought you would have them, but you're carrying a weight from it. Do you understand what I mean? But I want you to know this, that the Lord is faithful and he is good. And he'll take every circumstance that weighs you, every trial and every temptation, and he'll help you to use it. Did you know that your problems create a larger perimeter for the Holy Ghost anointing of God if you'll surrender it to the Lord? Like whenever we want to build a fire, we have a fire pit at our house and we were having a good old time just burning up a bunch of sticks and we had like a good fire about this size going and it got to about 11 o'clock and my wife said, I'm going inside, can you just stay with the fire? But we have this amazing burn pit built around the fire and I'm like, it's fine, it's gonna be fine. It's wet out here, it's gonna rain a little later. But guess what? I was trusting that the fire would stay in the place that was built for the fire because they, someone had taken time to put a perimeter around the fire. And guess what? The fire, I know I say guess what too much. I'll try to not do that for those that are, you know, linguists in the room. Whenever you take your burdens and your pains and you pull them out of your backpack and you set them in a place around the fire, I'm thinking right now if I could ask Paul about when he was on the Isle of Malta. You remember Paul when he was on Malta and he had been shipwrecked. They'd been 14 days and 14 nights and, and here's Paul and he's in, he's in the book of Acts and, and, and he's like being taken to his own trial and here he's got, a, he's got a ship captain who's concerned and men that have let down the life boats secretly. They want to they wanna get away from the ship because they're afraid. They've already sounded and figured out we only got about 120 feet until we run aground. And they're worried and they're all concerned. And then the, he says to the captain, don't, Paul says, don't let them get in those lifeboats or, or they will be lost. We will not be saved. This is a tent maker. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Telling a ship captain what he should do with his sailors. You won't pull that off in America today, will you? It's really hard to tell people what they need to do. But guess what? The Holy Ghost makes you able. The Holy Ghost gives you the ability to respond in places where you don't know how to respond. I'm preaching real good right now, but I just want you to know that if you've ever been in a situation where you didn't know how to handle it, if you'd go to your knees in prayer, God will give you a strength and anointing and give you wisdom from his word, and he will be able to give you the power to respond in a proper way. So the abilities that you have may not just be your talents. The abilities you have is what God gives you through his Holy Ghost. Luke 12, 12, if you want to reference that, he'll give you what you need to say through the Holy Ghost when you have need to say it, amen? He talks about the Holy Ghost being what gives us our ability to respond. And in the journey of discipleship, we have to make sure we understand that if we hang under those rocks, they fill our backpack with offense and hurts and troubles and trials. But if we take them out and say, Jesus, I don't know why I had to go through this. I don't know why I had to have a, have a situation. I don't know why I had to go through what I went through. I don't know why I'm struggling what I'm doing with. I don't know why we have some struggles sometimes. Don't let the soup fool you. Yes, I'm blessed now, but I have, Jesus had my hallelujah 
hallelujah, when we had nothing, amen? So I've been through a lot of things. You know what? Every time I just keep on coming back to the anointing fire of the Holy Ghost and every offense, I just lay another barrier and I just lay another ring and my place of anointing gets bigger and bigger and pretty soon I can trust where the fire's at in my life. I can trust where the anointing stays in my life because my offenses become the structure for which the Savior can work and trust me and he'll anoint more if you make a space for him to anoint. And the way you make a space for God to anoint your life is if you take all your offenses and just begin to build a place for God to move and God to work and God to settle down in your life. Then you'll be warmed by the fire. So Paul he lives through the shipwreck. He, he instructs them all the way off until they're on the shores. And then they're trying to encourage the fire and a viper lashes out and hooks onto his hand. And, and the barbarians of the island are watching. They're thinking, this man truly is a murderer because he's escaped the sea and the storm. But now, look, he's still going to be killed. Truly, something is at work. This man is cursed. And all Paul does is he just shakes it off in the fire. I want you to know that you're not just going from trouble to trouble, trial to trial, build to build, you know, trying to structure your life one thing after another. If you begin to build your life by, by surrendering it to God, there is going to be such a place of anointing in your life that even when offenses come, you can do like Paul and just shake it off in the fire because there is such an anointing in your life that the anointing becomes more valuable to you than any annoyance that's out there. Anything that comes against you is not bigger than what has come in you and what is also inside your life. And so therefore you live around an anointed fire and that fire is what saves you. You know and I know that anytime you get in a survival situation, the first thing you build is a fire because a fire can keep you. We have to have places to live. We also have to have this awesome tent. Hello, somebody. Got, got a place to stay. But there's other things that you have to have in your life. I'll get back to this because I'm very ADD. Any ADD folks in the house? Amen, somebody. You know you got to have a trail map. This is our trail map. I didn't have any maps. I get all my maps digitally. So I started digging through stuff, looking for old fold-out paper maps. No such thing. I know where one is, but I wasn't going to drive to get it. But this is really our map. This is what guides us, amen? And I want to tell you why, because discipleship is very important in our life in several ways. Number one, it's commanded that we be disciples. It's commanded that we learn this word and live by it. Jesus commanded it in the scripture that I said. And then survival is supplied through that word that we read. It's commanded that we make disciples. The word disciple, it's interesting to note that in the Greek, in the Great Commission here, the word is mathetes, which means learner, pupil, someone who learns by following. You have to learn by following Jesus Christ. That's the only way is to sit at his feast. Christ wants us to be his body, the, the church. In the disciple-making process, realize that we're a participant Realize it takes all types of Christians to reach all types of lost people. That's why you need to put your offenses in a place where the anointing can touch it. Because whenever you have something that you've been through that you think nobody else has had the grace of God on their life in this way, 
if you take it to the altar or you take it to the place of fire and you shake it off there, God will use it to reach people just like that. The things you go through create compassion for you to carry Christ to the same people in the same struggles. God's primary plan for the church is for disciples of Jesus Christ to be made through you. We were talking this morning, if you're not in spirit life class, well, I don't know how to say it nicely. You're missing it. You're just missing it. Come at 10 o'clock, folks. You need to be here. Brother Reese has got an anointing to teach. That's his gifting, and he's teaching some amazing classes. He was talking this morning about the fact that discipleship is, is powerful, but I don't know where, where you, you said on some things, but when he was speaking this morning, I just felt the Holy Ghost into the room, and I know that God is using it. That's a shameless plug, I know, for spirit life classes, but you should try to be here. And so while he was teaching, I was reminding that the ability comes from the anointing. The Spirit teaches us. The power in me has positioned me for continual renewal in God. Isn't that what Moses said? He was like, I don't, I don't have the ability. And God said, I didn't ask about your ability. <laughs> I didn't ask you if you're a good teacher. I didn't ask you if you're a good speaker. I didn't ask you if you're good at what you do. He said, I am that I am sent you. Just tell him that. I am anything you need me to be. And whenever you become so connected as a disciple of Jesus Christ to him, he becomes everything I need, everything I need. I grew up in the church. I'll tell you a quick story. <clears throat> I grew up playing drums in the church all my life. I did that, and we didn't have anything. I mean, literally didn't have anything. We had food stamps. We lived on food stamps. We were so poor. And I was embarrassed to go in line with my mom as she gave the food stamps to buy our food. Because we'd get those looks from people, like, oh, yeah, I paid for all that food for you. With my tax dollars, you're living off my, what are you doing with that? You know, my family may not even eat as well as yours. Great job. You know, I always had those feelings as a little boy, like they were judging me. And so I would stand, like, over by the door while my mom was checking out because I felt shame for that. And I remember one time that my mom was going through school and trying to get her bachelor's degree. She was doing everything she could to get out of the hole she was in. She was digging as hard as she could to get out. And I honor her for that. But I remember one time that she was like, I may have to have food stamps to feed us, but someday you're going to have a good job and you'll pay for all this back. Whatever I have to go through to get you to a place where you recover what I'm going through, I'll do it. And I felt... I felt such a peace knowing that I wasn't just needing to feel shame anymore. I was needing to feel propelled by the fact that I would someday have the ability to make good on what we're doing right now. It was just a personal thing, and it's, it's a personal stone that I carried in my backpack for a long time. I thought, you know what, if, if I could just somehow do this right, I would honor all the days that my mom had. And it gave me vision. 
It gave me vision to see further than where I was at at the moment. I was only an 11-, 10-year-old boy. I didn't really understand life very well. But my mom was like, it's okay, son. We're going to get out of this. She was looking down the road. She had a sight in, her, in mind. She had a vision in her heart. And she said, I'm going to do better someday soon. And I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you haven't pulled out the binoculars out of your backpack lately. Maybe you haven't sought God to see, hey, where, where are we going? Where do you want us to be? Maybe I'm on that vein today because we're meeting as leadership and, and I'm asking God to nourish us. And, but even in the moments of vision and any, even in the moments where you're looking ahead, guess what? That's the end game. Sometimes it's a long ways off. I remember seeing bear. The first time I saw a bear in Alaska, I thought it was way too close and I was very concerned. I saw it on the edge of the mountain over there, and I was like, we need to run. We need to run right now. And my youth pastor's like, oh, just calm down. Pull down the binoculars. And I'm like, oh, he's a long ways away. And he's like, it would take him an hour running from there to get to us. I didn't understand the distance away it was for the threat that I had, saw, I had seen. And I want you to know, whenever you have a vision in God, he will help you to understand the distance and the power that you have to see ahead of things, to see things coming, to see things before they get here, that you'll sense in your spirit that something needs to change or something needs to happen. I can walk into work and I can feel the spirit at work change. Have you ever been there? Where you can feel something different and I can go to prayer and by that afternoon, God can change it. I've done it three or four times. I can feel opposition coming and because of the foresight that the Holy Ghost gives us and the ability to survive things before they ever get here. I can begin to pray and God can change the situation. He can handle the threat before it ever gets to my life just because I keep my eyes on him. Amen, somebody. That I look ahead to the author and finisher of my faith and that he keeps me. He's my I am and he holds me in his hand. As disciples, we must have four characteristics. I hope Maybe you can take notes on this. Rex Yancey once said, not where I need, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not who I used to be. That is very important that the characteristic of a disciple, number one, is that we should remain. Remain in Christ. Walk in the Lord. Not perfect, but in progress. You're on a journey. Amen. You're on a journey toward discipleship. Remain in him, number one. Number two, that we are to obey him. Obedience is number two. We need to obey the Great Commission. Who are you discipling right now? Are you discipling yourself? And are you discipling somebody else? That is important. Number three, spiritual fruit, bearing it. You can recognize a disciple by the results produced in their own life and the lives of others. If we have the heart of Jesus, It'll show up in our actions, amen? And number four, the disciple glorifies God in word and deed. Our lives must be credible. Our lives must be credible. If we're going to say Jesus is a Savior, then he needs to be our Savior. If we're going to say Jesus can rescue you, then he should have rescued you. But if we're going to say that Jesus 
can make you sturdy, stable, and whole, then we need to be moving and progressing towards sturdy, stable, and whole. If you have been living for God for 50 years, you shouldn't need to be rescued every single Sunday. But if you need a rescue, he's your rescue. If you need a redeemer, he is your redeemer. But your life walk with God as a disciple needs to grow from one year to the next, from one stage to the next. You shouldn't be having milk, the scripture says, when you're supposed to be eating meat. We understand when Lakin has a bottle, she's a baby. But it'd be different if Mama was making Lakin a bottle and Reese a bottle at the same time, amen? That wouldn't work out so well. That'd be a little bit strange. So I want you to know that in the power of God, the Spirit makes me able to do something. And so my response today by emptying my backpack is that God will give me vision. God will give me leadership. You have to have a good guide, amen? Amen, somebody. And so we're led by the Lord. I'm, I'm not sure that I can say this without it sounding like I'm a spiritual fruitcake, but you're going to have to just listen anyways, and we'll get through this together. If you're listening online, I honestly am a very humble person, but I believe that the Lord speaks to me at times, not audibly, but he'll impress me so strong. I was talking with somebody not long ago, a friend of mine, and they began to speak about the direction that they felt God wanted them to go in, and the Holy Ghost said yes. And they launched out, and God blessed it. And I was just sitting at a traffic light not long ago, and this is a story that talks about the grace of God. I was sitting at a traffic light, and you know those big, long roofing trucks that have the front cab, and then they have kind of like an extended, extended long trailer behind them, but it's not really a trailer. It's all open. And then they have this big ladder on top that's a conveyor belt, and they stick all of the shingles on the conveyor belt, and the conveyor belt extends up to the roof, and that's how they get all the shingles up on the roof for the roofers. It's one of those, you know, big, huge, long monster trucks with the tires as big as a good, you know, as, as a monster truck, just like huge monstrosity of a truck. And I was sitting at a light about to cross 164, and I'm just sitting there, just normal, everyday afternoon. And the light turns green, and I move my foot off the, gas, off the brake, and I go to put it on the gas, and the Holy Ghost says, wait. The Holy Ghost says, wait. I literally know this as real as someone slapping me in the face at the moment. I know God said, wait. And when I did that, I put my foot back over on the brake and looked up, and that truck barreled through the intersection, just <laughs> You know, just trying to stop everything it was doing to stop. And then later I came back by and he was on the side of the road looking at it, just shaking his head. His brakes had gone out. I would have been destroyed. I was in a little, I was in a little Saturn. You know what? They wouldn't have even found a speed, a Jodan speed bump. That's how bad it would have been. But the Holy Ghost spared me that day 
because I've been working on my spiritual survival skills so long that I have an antenna up to heaven. And when God says go, I go. And when he says stay, I stay. And if you don't listen to me, anything else I say, hear me. You are protected by God's ability to to spare you, to keep you. My response is necessary when the Holy Ghost speaks. My response is necessary. I have to do something when the Lord speaks. If God says go pray for your brother, I need to go pray for your brother. If God says go pray for your sister, whether they receive it or not, go talk to them. Then go talk. It doesn't matter about their reception. It doesn't matter about even their need for you to come to them. If the Holy Ghost says something to, says something to you, God has given you permission to respond. And that response can change everything. Can change everything. Let's stand together. You have a responsibility. I don't know what your post is here at LifeSpring. I don't know what you do on a weekly basis. I don't know what your job is like and what you're required to do. But are you on post? Are you being response-able? Are you doing what God calls you to do? Are you finding a way to be all that God calls you to be? William Barclay once said, it is possible to be a follower of Jesus without being a disciple. This is what I'm speaking about today. To be a camp follower. Everybody else sets up the camp. Everybody else has brought their offenses and they built a place for the anointing fire. Everybody else has done all the work. Are you just coming to camp this summer? Or have you decided that you're going to come and participate in setting up a shelter over somebody or setting up a place where the anointing can burn in their life or encouraging the fire in somebody else's life? Are you just a follower? Are you just a camper? Or are you a disciple? It's a hard word, I know. Are you just a hanger honor? (laughs) It's not even good English. Some great works that we see often are people that didn't have the ability, but they were just crazy enough in their faith to believe God could do it. Nate and I were reminiscing about the early days not long ago when we used to have to set up and tear down this church out of a trailer. Y'all, that's work. And we come in here and musicians... God bless them. All the instruments are mostly here unless they bring their guitars and lights turn on and projectors work most of the time. And we're blessed. And we can get to the point where we sit down and go, hey, we don't have that work anymore of setting up and tearing down every site. We don't have to do that. So therefore, since it's all here, we can just come, be blessed, and leave. Can I tell you, you're camping today. If that is your mission, then you're not doing the commission of God. What is the mission of the church? It's right there in Acts 28, 19. The great partnership mission. The great commission. Let's do this together. My struggle is how many of us are lifting more than we can bear? while others are just coming to camp and we're barely carrying the wood into the camp. 
How much struggle do you see your brother or sister go through that you have a tolerance for? Oh, that's just them. They're going through a rough time. I pray for them. Have you called them? Have you reached out to them? Have you said, hey, what are you doing this week? Oh, you're going to be at the church cleaning. Can I help you? Can I come help clean? This isn't an advertisement. This is about being the body of Christ. There is a world of difference between attending lectures and being a student. There's a world of difference in attending a sermon and a service and being disciples that follow Jesus as real disciples. Is your life glorifying God? I'm praying today, Jesus, help us. Yes, Lord, we promote things. We do our best. This isn't a sad sermon, though. This is a sermon of invitation. This is a sermon that may, yes, be convicting, but it's not condemning. Conviction draws us to God. Condemnation pushes us from God. And if you are here today and you know, you know, I've, I've done some things for this church, but I really haven't put my efforts in. Here's... Here's where I need to find a place of discipleship. I'm asking for a decision of disciples today. This altar is going to open in just a minute, and I'm praying that God will help you and help me. You might feel like your wood's wet, like you're bringing in campfire wood and you're like stacking it and you're cutting it and you're like hey we're going to have a great service this Sunday and then you get here and it feels like you're the only one encouraging the flame can I tell you today that quit don't don't worry about the result just worry about the fact that you are a disciple yourself and God will lead you to those in need of redemption God will lead you to those that are hungry to be warmed by the fire God will take you to somebody who's desperate enough and longing enough and not in the cold enough and been in their sin long enough that they'll crawl out of that ocean of despair and they'll wander up to the fire built by those that are faithful and they'll say thank God I found this church thank God I found your disciple life thank God I found you because as you follow Christ I'm going to follow you and we will build the church together we will be like Jesus said disciples in the mission so I'm praying can you make a decision to be a disciple today this isn't a moment of non-sincerity this is a very serious moment I'm opening the altar right now with my eyes closed I don't even need to see who's coming but I'm wondering is there somebody that can say uh, it doesn't matter if you've been camping or not you're going to start building the fire you're going to start encouraging the setup. You're going to start encouraging the shelter for hearts that have been savaged by the storms of life. You're going to start encouraging the music group. You're going to do what you can. You can you can search out your talents and say, I've got these abilities, I must respond. But then also, I'm looking for a disciple that will search out the Holy Ghost in their life and say, God, what abilities do you want to give me? What abilities and talents do you want to put in my life that I don't even know about right now? What abilities do you want to hand to me that then I must respond what situations are coming up and what threats may be in my future that I'm going to need spiritual survival for God help me to be a disciple in you in Jesus name in Jesus name